All right. <laughs> like my do? <laughs> yeah, it looks good. Do you like mine? You kind of got this like Elvis vibe going on. I got I got headphone vibes. Headphone vibes. Yeah, you have over the ears. I have the uh, in ears. You have the in ears. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a lame ass. What a lameo. Hey, Let it be no. known that Cameron wears in ear. Just kidding. I wear. <laughs> <in ears too. laughs> They're called IEMs, sir. <laughs> Whatever, dude. You guys got these weird technical things. They're just headphones. They're just headphones. I just wear just, headphones. <laughs> they're wireless. Oh, yours aren't even wired. You're wired. Yes, I am wired. Oh, buddy. Like you'll, slowly, yeah, you'll slowly <laughs> see it dropping. By the end of this vid- episode, it'll be at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> I'm going to leave I'm just Not that anybody it. can see it. Nope, but I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Welcome back to the Modern Producer Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron, and I'm here with my good friend, Troy. Oh, man. Well, how have you been, Troy? I've been good. I've been well. We haven't talked in a while. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Lots of stuff happened. Not really. Christmas and the holidays. All that good stuff. Yeah. COVID. (laughs) I caught COVID. (laughs) COVID still happens. I have not caught COVID yet. Knock on wood. Maybe. I don't know. I got a cold the other day that someone else tested positive for COVID and they had the cold too. Oh, weird. So maybe I did and I just didn't test because I thought it was a cold. I don't know, dude. But you work from does, home, so. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of blows because I do know people that get COVID and some of them have it bad and some of them are just like, huh? Yeah. I got nothing. Let's, well, you're lucky. And just like the people listening to today's episode, it's going to be pretty lucky because we're going to follow up on the last episode, which is more focused on overhauling your operations in general for a business. And I wanted to just kind of like, we would be remiss to not talk about, you know, things you can do to actually improve your workflow techniques for working on music, for example. So we have a lot of tips. We're kind of just going to go off the, the cuff and just chat about all sorts of different stuff. But I do have some categories that kind of want to like say what these you know specific workflows are going to be around um, things on like collaboration or composing and creation. But we also have some mind hacks uh, that'll help get you in the right mindset to help mind improve you. Hacks. Mind hacks. Some yeah, we're gonna mind. we're gonna Yu Gi Oh the shit out of you guys. <laughs> to anybody that knows what Yu Gi Oh is, hey, props. <laughs> yeah, you're the, you're the coolest. Oh, <laughs> uh, collaborations is. There's so much of it going on now, especially with TikTok ongoing. Even back in like uh, what before TikTok, what five years ago ish, even know, like ten like, ten years ago. Five. Yeah, no, but like sound. Remember, SoundCloud was like a huge deal, mm-hmm. and people would find you and like just straight DM you on there and like, hey, do you want to do a song? Send me the files, and I'll I'll sing it, or I'll send you my voice to this, and you could remix it. It's relatively new but it's gotten to such different heights of not just music but videos um mm-hmm. everything it's pretty neat it's pretty it's pretty neat yeah it's i think it's more important especially now uh than ever it just seems like everything is being done online just because we have to like with covid lockdowns and things like that but we also have a lot of cool things that are making it possible because i think you know internet services are probably the the best they've ever been uh even withstanding the fact that everybody now is like at home streaming doing all the th- all the things playing the games downloading <laughs> you name it 
but it seems our internet service providers, at least, you know, in, in semi-urban areas are, are doing pretty good. So that means we're able to afford the opportunity to collaborate remotely. So some services we're going to talk about here are paid. Some are free, uh, depending on your route you want to go. Like, for example, if you have like Steinberg Cubase, um, you may have the, uh, I forget what the name of the plugin is, but it's a, uh, it's basically the collaboration tool in real time. So you can screen share and send your webcam feed and your audio as lossless audio, com- uh, um, compressed lossless over the internet to another ser- um, person also running Cubase. Um, so that's a pretty cool feature. Yeah, that one cool. I didn't want to call out as much because I haven't really worked with that personally. Whereas services like FilePass, which I have used, uh, I use mm. that a lot in my mastering business. This one is super cool because it just it streamlines the whole process of having to send a client some files, let them listen to the files, and get notes and feedback before they sign off on it. And there's also a paywall there. So you can use it to actually take payment when they approve it, they hit the approve button and then it, they just enter their information to pay, submit the payment. And that unlocks the files for them to download the full stems or whatever you're sending. So for me, mastering engineer, I did just, just straight up wave files. They can download all the waves and uh, they could leave notes right there in the timeline. So as they're listening to it, they want to mark at two minutes in saying, Hey, we Found something wonky here. It sounds distorted. Okay, well, they leave me a note. I can see exactly where they're talking about it. Whereas, you know, when you have to do the 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 song and dance back and forth through email, where they're like, oh, at, at two minutes, 30 seconds, it sounds distorted in the sub and it's like wonky and it's like doing all this stuff. Well, a lot of times people will send me totally weird descriptions of things and they don't even have it timestamped. So I have to like compare apples to the color purple for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> So it just it makes things a lot nicer. Um, I was using it heavily when when FilePass was in beta, and this is um, a software that Brian Hood from the Six Figure Creative used to be a Six Figure Home Studio uh, podcast was was putting out. I think it's out of beta now. In fact, they even have a whole new market segment because it was focused on audio, and now they also support graphics files. So, like if you're a graphic designer, you can actually share graphic files and and have you know. Uh, your clients review and and sign off on that way too. But I just think it's so much nicer to have a streamlined review and approval process and file pass does that. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Again, it is paid. You've, you used file pass for me for a couple of your mastering stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always really like that. I even going back to um, Dropbox. Yeah. Remember how important Dropbox was and how neat and cool <laughs> and fucking awesome that was that we could just, oh yeah, I dropped the files in Dropbox. Just uh, yeah. l- look at our joint, joint file. Yep. And they have yeah. a free tier. And they got a free tier. It's not very much. It's like five gigs, right? Like two, I think. Oh, two. It used to be five when it yeah. first came out, which still isn't a lot. But for <laughs> music files, that was quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It worked. Yeah, most of them will have like free tiers. There's there's Dropbox, there's Google Drive, OneDrive, which is the the Microsoft one. Seems like everybody's got like a free tier these days, and they're all pretty robust. Um, you can even use uh, WeTransfer. So WeTransfer.com, you can send up to two gigabytes for free, and it will retain those files on their servers for a week and provide a, a private download link for your clients to like you know collaborate or whoever you're working with. 
<laughs> is it your keeps... phone? Is your mic dropping? <laughs> yes, it is. Mic drop. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like the the weight transfer is pretty cool, and they they make it so that the files aren't just there permanently taking up space on your account. Um, they expire after seven days. Now, if you pay for a seven pro account, days. Yep, seven days. If you pay for a pro account, I think you can get longer periods of time. Um, and you can have all sorts of other features that they've been adding on, but just having the free tier alone up to two gigabytes, you can send for free. I think most people in modern production, you know, things, especially if you're sending like an Ableton project or something, two gigs should be enough. Yeah. Um, to, to get the job done for at least per project. Yeah. And granted, I'm talking about more like electronic productions. I know there are some bigger productions out there. Like if you're working in metal or if you have to deal with a lot of multi-tracks and stems, that can easily get up to like 10 gigabytes a song. I've seen some crazy numbers out there. I think we've hit 10 gigabytes on one of our songs. Yeah, probably with all our ridiculous add-ons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Or I just I'm, multiple yeah, takes with, of drums. <laughs> not just that. I think I think we recorded a project at like one of the highest rates. Oh, 96K. Yeah, we were recording no, at 96K. No, I think it was, wasn't it higher than that? Didn't well, we do- the, the interface could do up to 192, but the DAWs, like it wouldn't operate kept, properly. It, yeah, it kept crackling and whatnot. So yeah, we did at 96 mm. and I remember that was huge. And we're like, yeah. we can't do this anymore. So we went back to 44, which apparently 44 is outlawed. <laughs> They're going away. <laughs> it's, it is dying. Nobody it likes is. it anymore. Yep. Speaking of dying, I have another, this is a very niche tool. I don't think that I say dying because the website still exists, but I don't, they haven't been developing any new software. And the last time they updated the site was like 2009. It's a analog X.com. It's not analog X. Uh, it's like an it company. It might show up as like analog X.io. It's analog X.com, but they have a free delay time calculator I've been using for years. And this thing is super cool. Cause I can just type in the VPM or the tempo of whatever I'm working on. And I use this in a mastering fashion, but you can use this at any stage of like your mixing, especially when you're trying to dial in attack and release times for like a compressor or even a delay uh, or reverb. If they have millisecond values, it's just super handy to be able to quickly know what a musical uh, quantization is. So if I type in 160 BPM here, let me just pop it up. So if I type in 160 uh, it gives me like the 2x whole note values, whole note values, half values, quarter, eighth, sixteenth, all the way down to 32nd note. And it'll even give me the triplets underneath it. So for 160 BPM, a half note is 187.5 milliseconds. So I can I can just type in that number and know I have a great starting point for my attack time on a compressor or release time on a compressor. And it'd be a musical thing. And I, I tend to use this trick a lot in my mastering because the way that I tend to work is I want to push things, especially when we're talking about making things sound loud when we're just cranking it to the max on, on the loudness level, we're crushing things. And we're, we're, we're not just using compressors for dynamics reduction. We're actually distorting them and a way to hide that distortion is to have that compression characteristic be in a musical you know, time. So I use it that way a lot and it hides the fact that I'm really driving that compressor. Now I'll be honest with y'all. I never used analog X. I just feel around the knobbies because <laughs> I am a feel around the knobbies type of dude, Yep. which is, but you can imagine how long that takes you. 
yes, it does take a long time, but it's very satisfying. You like, you know, you like to tweak things. Anybody mm-hmm. likes to tweak things. I'm one of those dudes who just, I could sit there for hours just trying new shit out and used to drive Cameron nuts. You're like, you gotta move on. You gotta move on. I'm like, and I just like, no, nah, man, it, it just doesn't sound right, man. It's missing something. You were, you were the quintessential dude who is like four hours, man, the snare still doesn't sound right. Yep. I love, <laughs> I really, I really like toiling with things. And that's why I, I never really, I know you used it quite a bit. And I always let you just do it because you were good at it. And I just kind of did it by ear, Mm -hmm. but definitely probably would have been useful if I did use it. Yeah. It it got me in the ballpark a lot faster. And that's the reason I'm, I'm sharing this tip. Um, And I know there are some producers I've been working with that when I showed this trick to them um, and the quickest way was to like, take your threshold value, bring it way down. And then, you know, like really force the, the, the compressor or the dynamics to wherever you're using to just be really exaggerated right at the mark so you can hear what it's doing and then play with the attack time value. So I type in that value and now you can really hear the snappiness of the attack or the, you know, you can hear it letting go when it's on the release. Right. And so then you can dial it back to a more realistic compression ratio, more realistic, you know, threshold value and make it sound more natural and do the effect that you want. But now you have an idea of like, Oh, I can hear that now. And that was the hugest thing for a lot of the producers I shared. I shared that tip with. Yeah, it definitely would have been handy. So for all you dummies like me, you probably should use something similar to that because it really will make your life a lot easier. I don't, do you have any other tips on like the, the more technical aspect, like for mixing or engineering that you've probably run across over the years of, of producing dude, just computers in general. (laughs) It makes life easier. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was a, a huge advancement for me because when I was a teenager in my first bands, when I first got into recording stuff, I had like, uh, I don't even, it was a Tascam four track Mm. recorder. You remember those? I remember those. Yeah. Remember? I remember. And I fucking loved that thing and I played with it and I toiled with it for hours and hours and hours and it just sounded cool. And I think when I got my first computer, that was when I first met you. Oh yeah. That's another Troy and Cameron first meeting time. And that absolutely changed my whole mind on everything digital because it was so much better and easier just to do things on a program. Now I was working on a, a Nuendo three. Yep. Uh, I remember hack, that. Hack and then program. you got Cubase because Nuendo is too advanced. <laughs> yeah. Nuendo. Well, it didn't do certain things that uh, a lot of musical DAWs did at the time. Because mm-hmm. like you said, it was like a film production thing at the time. But I really liked it. So yeah, it, just in general, man, uh, like Logic Pro, again, another ad- huge advancement for me going for, I know Cubase is really fucking amazing now. I don't use it anymore. I use Logic because it's easier for me. They're they're pretty on par with each other in, right, in different but, circles. So. Right, yeah, because Cubase has some really cool synths and, and drums. I mean, just, it's just a different workflow than I'm used to. But I, I remember first getting Logic on my first Mac Pro, my 2006 one, the big boy. Mm-hmm. And that changed my whole perspective on making music as well because I could do so much shit on the same program that I wasn't able to do at the time with Nuendo right. or Cubase. Because I had like the light version of Cubase. I didn't have everything. It it was like a very, 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 very light. It's like that your microphone's going down on you. Fucking microphone, dude. 
I'm over here watching it just like slowly going down again. We called it. It would be there by the end of the the episode. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah. I, the uh, the Daw Wars. I feel like they've they've kind of resolved Daw themselves. Wars. But I know for a while you were playing with Luna. That was uh, Universal Audio. Listen. I still am. I, I just they they have a new update. Not well. They're still updating for the new Mac OS. Mm-hmm. I think I'm Monterey. And at first they said, oh, hey, it's not going to work. Literally just a few days ago. And they did release a patch and they said, hey, it kind of works. So do it at your own risk. So yeah, it kind of works. Obviously I'm recording my audio for you. But when I listen to music, it just does funky shit. Like the volume turns itself down randomly and (laughs) every now and then just clicks out. Hopefully they get it updated. Yeah, I, this is kind of more of a sidebar, but I think it's worth discussing because every DAW out there still has kind of more of like a, a particular circle of production that they lend themselves to. So like Reaper is really popular in certain communities, especially for like um, video game uh, and audio for games, inter- interactive media. Even certain mastering engineers really love Reaper just because you have the ability to do mastering based functions and doing batch commands. There's a lot of advanced you know, nerdy stuff that you can do in that DAW. And I think it behooves anybody out there who's probably just starved, uh, started in one, one DAW to learn multiple DAWs, like find one that, that fits what you're trying to do. So the electronic producers out there probably are on Ableton. Ableton is amazing. I love the fact that you can basically treat everything like a, I, I, Dead Mouse called it the Mr. Potato head. He compared it to the Mr. Potato head of DAWs. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> a good, that's any, a good. any project file is basically a template that you can just import. That's amazing. Yeah, I I actually use Ableton not as much as I used to, but um, mainly because Logic now released something kind of similar to it mm-hmm. where you could just pick and choose your shit and stack them up. But Ableton is really, really fun, especially for DJs or anybody. I mean, are DJs still cool? That kind of died out a few years ago. <laughs> are they still cool? There, certain ones are still cool. <laughs> okay, certain ones are still cool. But... That that always got me closer to feeling like I was, you know, I'm Daft Punk. I could remix this stuff. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Just everything's kind of a niche. And it it really does benefit you in the long run to just try multiple. Ableton's not very expensive. You could try the light versions. We're not mm-hmm. saying go spend thousands of dollars on uh, DAWs. No. But just find what, what works for you, I think. And that's, that's the key. Knowing what what different DAWs do, what they're known for. For example, I'm I still daily drive um, Sonar, or now it's just called Cakewalk. It used to be called <laughs> yeah. Sonar, but it's awesome. I, for what I do, you know, in a mastering capacity, it fits me just right. And for mixing, it's very similar to Pro Tools. So when I compare it to other DAWs out there, it's more of a traditional layout than like Ableton would be. Ableton is not traditional. Ableton is not traditional at all. The advantage is I find it a lot easier to use their comping tools. So if you're like a vocal, you know, artist, or if you're producing a lot of, you know, things that need to be comped, their comping tools, I think are, you know, second to none, like even over Pro Tools. Pro Tools has some really cool stuff that you can do with playlists and the ability to, you know, flatten comps as you see necessary. But I think this is even more streamlined and faster than Pro Tools because you can very quickly deal with take lanes. I think Cubase has a similar layout. Logic Pro's kind of adopted a similar yeah, layout. Yeah, Cubase looks a lot like Pro Tools, like older Pro Tools, it kind of seems like. 
and I, I like that workflow too. I'm just not used to it. I'm like I said, I'm used to logic, but Luna is really, really cool. And as soon as they get the <laughs> update up there and it, it starts actually working, working, I mean, the console's working right now. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it. I could see my voice. So uh, I really like that workflow because it kind of reminds me of just the old school mixing boards and it's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty straightforward. You want, you want, want this input to do this. And, but now they added, you know, chains and a bunch of other stuff to it that I got to relearn because I've not been with it slacking. So just things to make their, their DAW stand out or even compete. Definitely. I think that also comes down to, like you said, if they can do chains, the, the ability to even just save out, like, not just templates. So obviously we can save out entire project templates with our DAWs, which means we can have every track labeled, organized, all the signal flow from them to the buses and however you want all the routing done with all the plugins. That's a huge time saver. I don't know a single professional who does not use some form of templating in their, their workflow. So if you are at the point where you're like, okay, I need to like start getting this going more efficiently it's going to make a lot more sense to just start implementing templates. Whether you start off with saving up presets of like your plugin chains. Uh, I recommend doing it all, by the way, just save out your exactly. I have every time I do a mastering project, I, by the time I'm done with that, I will save out that plugin chain as, you know, um, a preset. That way I can recall it very quickly on the next project without having to necessarily open up a project template for everything. Cause maybe I, I need to do a different layout for somebody. Most of my stuff is, you know, singles, but sometimes I'll get EPs or different projects that are longer form. And I need to be able to, you know, adapt that project template. Well, I might just have a project template for that in mind, but now I don't have the plugin chains I was using. So I'll just save them out as a preset. So there there's a, there's benefits to doing all the above. Yeah, I agree. It's and like you said, is. Practice makes perfect. I have to kind of fiddle on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry about that, guys. Technical, (laughs) technical difficulties. And we're back. (laughs) After the short message from our sponsor. Yeah, get good stuff. (laughs) Get good stuff. TM. (laughs) Yeah, make sure your shit works. That's, That's Troy's advanced advice. TM. Trademark. Trademarks. <laughs> the more you know. Right. Do, 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 do. How about when you were learning all the DAWs? Um and you you jumped back and forth for a lot of the years that I that we were like kind of like working on the studio stuff together. You were back and forth between like Pro Tools, Logic, Cubase. Those were like the big three that you kept, you know, like cycling between. Yeah, I mean I went to school like a like an engineering type school, and they only used they do they use other DAWs, but Pro Tools was like their main one for our mixing classes. So uh, I kind of stuck with that one because it it is, at the end of the day, pretty easy to learn it. But yeah, Logic, I had Logic since I think it was seven. And it only just got better and easier for me to use. And I think think that ease, especially now with like the new MacBook Pros, like that new kind of tech where it just makes things that much easier and faster on Apple computers. I just kind of prefer it now at this point. Yeah. I think a lot of it just came down to the fact that there were certain idiosyncrasies that each of those DAWs had. And when we were trying to apply, let's say you want to track, you know, full multi-track drums and then edit those drums. 
into multiple takes and the take lanes weren't working quite, quite right in logic, it would just, it'd be super frustrating. So part of that was just, okay, well we had to get used to learning hotkeys. Hotkeys are another thing that you can really accelerate your workflow with. And if you know your dot inside and out, but you're still doing everything by hand manually, um, hotkeys are a godsend. They will speed up your workflow 10 X. And I think that's one of the good things about Luna. Uh, Luna took a lot from pro tools. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it was easier for me to kind of learn and they just have a really easy workflow. Mm-hmm. Logic has definitely gotten much better than it used to uh, from when we used it or probably when you've seen me use it last. Uh, yeah, is it still it, Mac only? I forget. Yes. Yeah. But they have a lot of good stuff on there. They, I mean, they keep implementing with every update new features that just really work well. And uh, Luna as well. So big shout out to UA because... They're they're really working hard on it. They answer all these questions. They have these several hour long forums on how to do certain things and why they do it and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it seems like they've got a good, you know, growing user base and the community is very active on there. It's that's a nice part. Yeah, they're super active and they're generally pretty you know, for internet standards, they're pretty good. If we're going internet standards. I know Ableton Live has a lot of like um, Max for Live devices and stuff that add functionality to the DOS. So you can like create custom scripts and macros and do all these like crazy nerdy things that'll help speed up your workflow. I know Pro Tools has, uh, well, it's not Pro Tools, it's Slate, but they, they put out batch command system and it's available for Pro Tools and for Logic. But they have entire pre-programmed macros for doing very complex tasks you know, at the press of a button, which is very nice. So if you're talking about speeding up your workflow and you have, you don't have the ability to do that in your DAW, um, you have to look for third-party solutions. So there are like hotkey utility plug, you know, programs that you can get for windows and for Mac that you can create custom scripts with. So if you're used to doing a whole series of like keystrokes, all these hotkeys, and then you're always doing those in the same sequence, you can create what's called a macro for that. And then, once you hit that macro key, the script goes and does all of those steps that you want to constantly do. It's good for like mastering when you have to go batch export a bunch of stuff, um, especially if I'm doing like an EP or, or a 10 song album or something, and I need to repeat that same process for every single track. Well, then yeah. the macro can do it all for me. I just have to press one button and it's done. Yeah, so, that makes sense. That's, that's huge. Um, Slate sells it, obviously, so this is a paid one, but... If you if you're using Pro Tools or Logic, the most common one I've seen this is editing drums, and this is such a time saver when you have to go in, find the transients, and then nudge back either 10 milliseconds before the transient, and then create a slice, and then you know it allows you to align to the grid. So then you can tell Pro Tools, okay, now we're going to move all the transients to the grid, and then right. start doing fades. So you have the fades on the end, you know, each end. That will then clean up everything and they allow the clips to overlap. So if it's tightening up a very sloppy, you know, drum pass, now it's on the grid and it's trimmed, it's faded, and it sounds natural, right? All yeah, those things all the, at one button press. <laughs> all the work for you. And I I used to know how to do that on Pro Tools, but it's pretty awesome. And uh, Logic has its own like uh flex little flexing mobile where it just analyzes the whole track and you could mm-hmm. have it snap to whatever wherever you want it to and that's i really like that too and then you could go in there and kind of fuck around with it mm-hmm. so that stuff like that ha- i mean compa- literally if we're comparing to 
20 years ago. <laughs> so much easier because we did it by hand. Yes. We, you know, cut out one and then just move it around and then do it ourselves. It took hours, which I kind of like doing stuff like that. So I don't know. Obviously, we're talking about more of like a live recording sense when we're dealing with multi-track drums right. for yeah, rock yeah, yeah, or metal. Yeah, like, oh, God. I imagine like uh, Joey Sturgis with like all, all the, the gent you know, subset of metal. Oh, and I can even every imagine. single guitar note gets the same treatment as the drums. You have to imagine that some of those dudes had to have just been just the bands in general were amazingly good because that stuff was really hard to do, especially if they're doing it on tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you kind of have to be really accurate. So I, that's just another reason technology is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love technology. Well, how about let, let's move on to some composing and music creation stuff. I have a couple listed, but if you could think of any. I'm going to start with John Meyer. Um, it's not, not, not the John Meyer. John Meyer. Uh, but he has a YouTube channel. And I'm sure if you've seen you know anything from Spitfire Audio or Piano Book, these communities, um, he's been a big part of those. So shout out to John Meyer. Um, learning, he, he has a, a recent you know, YouTube episode on eight reasons to learn a new instrument. And I, I really agree with this. Because this will help you as a composer or producer. And let's face it, all of us producers out there are composers. At the end of the day, if we're writing music, we're a producer. It's all it's all the, one and the same. We're all producers. We're all producers because you're producing the sound. You're also coming up with the idea. You're, you're, you're wearing both hats. Right. So learning a new instrument forces you to find a new way to think about making that music. And it can aid you in how you approach the way you produce entirely. Right. Um, and I can remember Clayton from Celldweller um, sharing how James Rhodes, this is his manager at the time, was giving him advice on how he was going to approach writing the, the new album, Wish Upon a Black Star. Or sorry, the Black Star album, but specifically Wish Upon a Black Star, which is like the, the debut song for that one. And this is nearly 10 years in the making as a sophomore follow-up album to Celldweller's debut album. He typically wrote the instrumentals first and wrote the lyrics and vocals last, but he was finding that approaching this album, he was just constantly like feeling stale every idea i had been playing around with was hitting a mental block and so he finally james was just like well let's scratch those and approach the songwriting from the thing you feel weakest at and for clayton that was vocals hmm. so all the black star album songs he had completely reversed his songwriting process so that he started with the lyrics and the vocal melodies and then built the songs around that and i think that's so cool because that is a huge testament if you listen to that album at least for me that was amazing. Like it was such an evolution from his debut album to this one. Granted, they were like 10 years apart. <laughs> almost. Um, but the fact when he was starting to release those, he was also doing something very different with how they were publishing and distributing them because they were doing song, individual song releases as digital only. And then they were announcing the big, and this is back in like 2010. This is Right when digital was really starting to just barely overtake, you know, like CDs right. and, you know, as a primary form of distribution. Um, and this is before like iTunes was really even as massive as it was. And now massive, you know, iTunes isn't even around anymore. It's just music, Apple music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's streaming, <laughs> which I absolutely love. I think that was really cool. And that culminated in, you know, an amazing album experience that you could tell the writing style had evolved a lot. Just kind of going on that, someone I always really idolized, even as a kid, uh, was Prince. And he obviously played multiple instruments. And I think that mm. was a testament to how much of a genius that guy was. 
because he approached every album differently. He never wanted to really do the same thing, but he, he really actually knew how to play every one of his instruments. I mean, he took the time to learn it. And uh, I think that, I mean, that's kind of where I, why I try to do that myself. I try to do piano and guitar, bass, drums, anything I could get my little grubby hands on just because <laughs> I like to, I like to, <laughs> I like to know the process. So that for me, that if anybody takes anything away from this, I think really learning other instruments. And if you're just like a keyboard jockey, like you just make music on your computer, honestly, dude, pick up a guitar, try learning a piano, like actually, actually learning. And I swear mm. it will benefit you for so many years for the rest of your life. Imagine that. You guys can't see this, but Troy actually has several instruments on his wall behind him. Yes, I do. Uh, I know. Do you still have your mandolin? I do. And my, <laughs> I have my banjo ukulele? somewhere. I have my ukulele. Yep. I have my multiple fun guitars and I used to have a drum set and uh, I sold it to a friend who needed it for like a tour, but it was a DW kit. It was a really nice set. We used it for all of our it stuff. Was a nice it set. was a really nice set, yeah. but I was like, yeah, it's just kind of sitting. Cause I, it gets harder to record stuff live, especially when you live in like a little suburban area. Like I do, people just don't like you man they just don't like you so they, they, they might think it's cool at first and then they're just like okay we're over the noise that's because you're doing the same song for like the entire day like that's all you hear from the outside so i could see why it'd get annoying because i've lived by some kids practicing where they'd be in the garage and you, that's all you'd hear is and you're like oh my god again why I had a friend recently on Facebook and they live in New York. He's just like, you know, I don't have it in my heart to tell my neighbor that they're never going to be good enough for Broadway, but they're, they're all they're doing is practicing all day long, singing on Broadway, Broadway songs. Singing on Broadway. He's like, how, how should I approach it? Because, you know, obviously option A, I tell them they suck and, you know, ruin their dreams. Option B, I tell them, you know, keep at it and just put up with it. Option C, uh, let the landlord, hey, we have a noise complaint. <laughs> I was like, you know what you need to do is option D. You send them a letter and say, you know what? We're inviting you to do a prominent role in the, the, the um, Cirque du Soleil. Ooh. And, but unfortunately, you have to move to, to, to L.A. So. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. That helps them pursue their dreams, but at the same time it gets you out of gets them out of their apartment. I'm sure, I'm sure my neighbors have probably thought that about me too. Uh, when we were doing our stuff, you know, even if you're not the best, the more you practice, the better you get, the better you sound. And you know what? Something I've learned getting older, cause I'm getting old. We're all getting old. <laughs> we're all getting old. You don't have to be good at everything. You don't have to be the best singer. Honestly, if you're just a really good guitarist or you're, you write really good bass lines, or you're just very good at putting music together, songs together. It, it's just best to do that sometimes and just kind of push aside that pride of, yeah, I want to sing, but I want to play guitar like I always used to. And I'm like, I'm not a very good singer, but I probably would have gotten more progress had I just found someone that could sing well and then just worked with them. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I thought you sang pretty good. I, I liked your, your vocals that you did. And yeah, I got to give props to you because I was always too afraid to even get in front of the mic. Well, I mean, I like to do it. It just, I wasn't very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I could be like Richie Blackmore's rainbow. Now, if I could sound like if I could sound like any musician, this is this is off topic. I would absolutely sound like Ronnie James Dio. There you go. Fucking love that dude's voice. 
<laughs> I thought you were gonna say Tom Waits. Yeah. Oh, dude, Tom Waits is a second. He's he's up there. You'd have to you'd have to take up a lot of smoking. I could sound like Tom Waits right now if I really wanted to. <laughs> uh, you got a ways to go. <laughs> hey, come on! It's not man. raspy enough. I can't. It hurts my throat. I know. I'm. Take I up smoking. <laughs> I met him in San Francisco, and he was really really cool. I've I've heard good things. That's awesome. Yeah, that's always good to hear. Playing the piano and smoking a cigarette, even though it said no smoking. <laughs> By the way, it. Don't ever do that to to anybody. It's sending out a letter pretending to be, you know, some like the, the Cirque du Soleil or cats or something. Yeah, just don't do that. That's not nice. It's not nice. Don't order someone pizza <laughs> and then and then it not be from you, and then you get free pizza. That's terrible. <laughs> uh yeah. But moving on, um, I think we we can kind of go into more of like the mindset hacks now because this is we're kind of we're kind of dancing on the topic right now. Dancing. We're, we're getting getting around to it because obviously when we're talking about practice makes perfect. Um, I love that you took the initiative to at least try, and you but you always you always, you always knew that you weren't the best. You you had that reality around you that that mindset like okay I know I'm not the greatest singer, but that's not going to stop me from trying right to get the idea out. Yeah, and I still do it. I mean, if you like to do it, man, just do it. It's it's uh just that easy. That's my brother's text message. Oh, hamburgers. <sighs> But yeah, if you're if you're not a good singer, you know what, and and you don't want to give up on that, then take lessons. Just I didn't want to take lessons because I didn't have the time at at that time in my life and uh, get better. If you want, if you're a really good singer and you really want to learn an instrument, then you have to take the time to do it. That's yeah. that's that's the, it's the very sad reality of today is we all just want it now, but it takes a really long time to be good at something. True, and you will get better at it. The longer you do it, you just you get better at it. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. Thanks for pointing that out. Because I think mindset is everything. And if you if you have the the goal or the dream to to be good at something, well, then yeah, you're gonna have to put in the work. And I love that you bring up taking lessons because that is probably the lowest hanging fruit that I think people overlook. <laughs> is there are there are mentors, there are guides, there are teachers, there are instructors all around you in your local community. You just have to look for them. And if you're out there just you know sulking in your 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 wet lap oh. saying, Oh, I can't find, I, you know, I want to do this, but I can't find somebody who's doing it well in your area, reach out to them and say, Hey, can I get lessons? And chances are they provide lessons. And in your style, I mean, you got, you have so many options now. There's a, in, uh, again, we could go back up to the collaboration thing. You could literally use the internet to get mm-hmm. lessons now. And I know it's not in person, which I, I actually like still, cause I'm just, that's how I grew up. But you have that ability, you have that option to, or even go on YouTube and watch these people give you these small lessons to get that foundation. YouTube is great for that. YouTube is great for that. But honestly, just like Cameron said, go anywhere local is going to have someone that knows how to do something you want to do. And that's the, a mentor is absolutely the best way to learn something. Following more along the lines, but kind of switching gears here in, in the mindset hacks, um, there's there's one that I've come across recently, and it, it kind of had me, you know, grab my chin. It's like, okay, let me think about this for a second. Mm. Because oftentimes what happens is, we'll refer to poker players, for example. When you're counting your money, that's the moment you lose because you're not paying attention to the room. And for a lot of producers out there, this becomes the same. <laughs> it's true for productions as well. When you start thinking about how much time you're saving or you know, admiring how far you've come in a particular process. Let's say you're 
90% of the way through the track and now you're just doing the copy pasta, right? You're, you're moving parts of the composition around to make the arrangement complete. And you're thinking about how, you know, oh, it sounds great. And then you come back to it the next day and it's like, sounds it like doesn't, why, terrible. why? Yeah. It's like, why did I do that? You know, and these are those, those phenomena that we just go through. It's a cycle. But, you know, just as it applies to all aspects of business too. So even in, in the, the lead process, like we're prospecting a lead or we got somebody on the hook who's interested in doing work with us and you're just like talking, okay, now let's go over numbers and you feel like you've got it in the bag and you're, you're starting to show, you know, share price and things like that. But the fact that you're focused on yourself, the, the gratification or, you know, the number like, oh, I'm about to get a huge payday. That's the moment it all go down, goes downhill. And they, it comes back to poker because that saying has actually been around for quite a while. It's when you're counting the money, that's the moment you lose because you're not paying attention to the room. Which is good advice because imagine you're in a poker game and your name's Maverick and <laughs> that guy that you lied to and cheated to, 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 to beat him at a poker game a million years ago, wants to beat you that bad where he has guns. So if he was, yeah, he's sitting there counting his money, his chips, because he just won, he wouldn't see the guy pull the gun or all the dudes pull the guns around him. You know what I mean? <laughs> the one where you're, you're secret, secretly your name is Mel Gibson. Oh my God, dude, I'd be the best. Not, not the drunk Mel Gibson. I'd be like the really hot looking dude from the eighties, Mel Gibson. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Wait, before or after Lethal Weapon? Uh, before. before. Before he got the really big line wrinkles like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> from drink, probably drinking too much <laughs> but that's that but uh, for all for all realsness uh that that's a really good little little memento to take is you, you really need to focus on the project at hand first i mean even if you, you come up with pricing and, and whatnot you you can't focus on that because you really will lose it at the end of the day or you'll do yeah. stupid stuff to finish it faster you'll you'll they'll take shortcuts that just don't sound good and I know you and I have run into that a, f- a few times where we just did things. And thank fucking God, Cameron took notes. <laughs> He's that meticulous about everything we did. He would take notes. Oh, well, Troy did this because of this. He'd get my reasoning down, even if it's like a little note. So we'd come back the next day. I'm like, this sounds like trash. What did I do? Oh, well, you, you compress this to do to get this sound. Well, no, nope, it sounds like shit. So we're going to take that out. And with Troy's setup, a lot of that was with analog gear. So it's not like we could just call up plugins again and redo it. We had to like dial things in. And that's why I took notes. And I, I kind of learned that lesson earlier, earlier in life than I think a lot of other people did. But that for me was like, okay, just document the process. Because if you need to be able to repeat it, it's good to have those notes. Yeah. Or even just sharing it. <laughs> well, it, we, we would literally have like pieces of paper with really shitty drawings of the analog gear with where the knobs would be exactly. And you would never get the same sound. You never, yep. it just never sounded the same. It was kind of poopy. And that's kind of why I moved more towards digital because I could save that preset for that song and <laughs> just recall it anytime I want. And I get that exact same sound that I just had. Not knocking yeah. analog gear. I absolutely love analog gear. And if I had the time and motive to take care of it, because Cameron knows, I, I really did try. I had so many units. Dude, you had a massive rack. I had a massive, <laughs> I had a massive rack, like model rack, and it was getting so hard to do the maintenance on them. And I didn't use them very often, so I had to clean them pretty often to get all the dust out, the dust. Or you had tubes that you have to replace, and and if you don't, well, you got to get the right tubes because if you get the wrong tubes, like I did with my UA stuff, it just didn't sound the same. 
Yeah. And I could only really get it from UA. I mean, you could get it on eBay and whatnot, but I, I tried that and it just, I think it broke. I think the tube like blew up for it. I had a tube replaced in the, my cause I still have the four seven ten D here. Oh yeah. I love that thing too. Honestly, you have to ship it to them and it's out for weeks, but I mean, that's just the disadvantage of having hardware. I mean, there are a lot of advantages too. And we can go into the weeds with that whole discussion. Cause that, that we'll have to save for another time, yeah, but basically it's, you have to, you have to make that choice of like, okay, I'm getting the hardware cause I know I want to commit to it. And that helps you also, I think that is another boon to, to working in the analog world is that you can commit, like just choose a sound and commit to that sound. Right. Cause that's going to be captured on the way in. Like if you're using analog EQs and compressors, that's all before it even hits your DAW. Your DAW is basically just a glorified tape machine at that point. And I, I actually still use that to this day. I mean, that's why I got in more to Luna because when I do track, I want to be able to put that sounding type of plug in, you know, be it a compressor or reverb or whatever. I wanted mm-hmm. to just, I wanted to capture that sound as is. And I still, I owe, and Cameron also knows I've always been like that. I've always <laughs> been really old school. I want to do drum, tr- drum tracks in one take if yeah. I can. All the way, all the way through. All the way through because I, I like that. I like the mistakes and I like that you know, maybe something doesn't hit. I mean, obviously if it didn't hit well enough, I would fix it, but I like that natural sounding way of things. And, um, that's pretty old school as well. But again, that's just something technology just made that much easier because we could literally press a button and then we'll align all those snare, not just the snare, everything from that transient to, to line up the exact same. And you could even flip it to, if, you know, something in the sounds off, you could flip the, you could you could do like anything with the tracks. You could even slow them down to make them sound deeper, and you could just kind of fiddle with them. I love the tape um, the tape RPM effect where you could yeah you could basically make things sound pitchier and faster or slower. Um, that that tape effect has been used on countless records, even the newer stuff like Mick Gordon when he did the Doom soundtrack. That that was actually a thing he did. His he tracked it um, high speed, played it um, I think like a, a fifth above, and then pitched it down with a with the tape tape machine and then re-recorded that output at the proper like scale or the the key that he was playing in and it would play back just heavier and raunchier sounding or he did the opposite even too he'd play back that at like a slower tempo play it so many keys below and then damn play it back faster off the tape machine so like up speed and then it would play back faster higher pitched and he'd capture that so there's different ways you can come about it and you get different effects with it. And I've heard entire um, vocal productions done the same way. So you want to change your voice to make it sound slightly different, do this pitch effect, you know, and you can recreate it in digital too, but it's basically you're, you're sing it back at a faster tempo and a higher pitch, slow you know, like pick a, a key that matches that percentage of speed that you want to go and then record it at that. Then, and then slow it down and it'll be at the right pitch for the harmony you want to do. And yeah, that's how I've, I've heard countless records done that way, which is pretty cool. And that gives you a slightly different timbre, a slightly different vocal um, essence that they, a texture to it that helps that become a different voice than the lead vocal itself. Right. Like the chipmunks album. I mean, come on. <laughs> best best yeah, selling basically. Christmas album ever. <laughs> I don't want to do it here, but <laughs> <laughs> do it. Christmas, no. Christmas, Christmas time is here. <laughs> okay, that's enough. Ow. Yep. My ears. Yep, yep, yep. 
But yeah, all that to say, I think we've all come across different sayings that have the same concept in place that, you know, stay in your lane. Um, don't pay attention to the car that's in the lane next to you. Just focus on where you're driving. Um, and then, yeah, the more basic one is just, you know, be in the moment. Yep. If you're, if you're thinking about the future or the past, you're not here in the moment. You're not present. Got to get here in the moment, man. Yep. Don't live in the past. I know. <laughs> Um, there's a composer that I follow. He does a lot of like, um, video game and short film scores and stuff. And he has his own YouTube channel too. And he'll regularly post like just, you know, sketching sessions. He'll just stream him sketching and talking to his, his followers and stuff. But he regularly shares why he focuses on composing every which way and scale or mode, et cetera, in the same key. So he literally, he, he's told this several times now. He only, um, does sketches and stuff when he's like composing he only does it in the key of D. There's very rarely that he will play in a different key or perform in a different key. Just because he's comfortable he with said, it? Or? Well, it's it has more to do with the fact that he said if he were able to learn a bunch of different keys and a few ways to play in that key, or learn how to play in one key every which way, he can accomplish so much more by just focusing on learning that one key. So it's the equivalent of being a jack of all trades or but a master of none, right? Yeah. So, he can be really, really good at the key of D. And the nice part about that is, yeah, you can always just transpose that to another key. That's true. So I'd rather learn how to play in different scales and modes and, um, you know, be able to do all these really articulate runs or uh, chord patterns. I learn the complexities of all of those in the key of D. Well, I can just transpose it after the fact as a composer it's super easy to do in your daw now because you can literally just play with the midi yeah which is awesome <laughs> so that's why he he went about that way he's way more proficient in the key of d than any other key but the advantages outweigh the disadvantages because there's never really a context in his career that he thinks he's ever going to have to be able to perform on the spot in another key right because he just does soundtracks mm-hmm. which is pretty neat because that's just a, a different way of thinking Really, truly, you wouldn't be able to do it that efficiently like you can today with right. with the modern DAW and whatnot. You, you don't even have to know how to play music now to make music. That's the cool part. I mean, look at Dead Mouse. He's a testament to that because he's like, I would just literally draw notes on the staff. Like he wouldn't even have a keyboard. He doesn't play anything. He's sitting there with a mouse and keyboard drawing in the notes by hand and he'll play around until it sounds right to him. Right. Which is probably the best advice you could ever have. Do something until it sounds right to you. Absolutely. With making music. <laughs> awesome. Well, did you have any other uh, ideas on that one? Kids, stay in school. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. Yeah. Yeah. No. Unless your school is like $200,000 tuition, in which case I'd say. No. You know what, kids? Then don't go to college. <laughs> go get a trade job. You probably would have a better life for it. Just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it just depends. Like, if you're going to go for an education, a formal education, the reasons you're going had better be good. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you're doing it just to get a job, unfortunately, the, the matter is these days, it's not going to guarantee a job. No, it doesn't work that way anymore. It actually hasn't worked that way in like the last 20 some years. So, really, truly, I had a friend who just did IT stuff and he's started from scratch, lived in a trailer park his whole life. He absolutely is just killing it. And he went to school for a year and a half to learn IT junk. Literally just how to learn a PC. You know, how to code how to code and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, think about that. A year and a half and he has an actual career that they they started him off on that. 
or another friend that does, um, which is nobody wants to do with plumbing. Um, I seen some kids out, this guy who did my house recently, he literally is just taking on an apprenticeship. So this kid is going to go for a couple of years and he's going to learn the trade and he's going to eventually take over that business or start his own because you never have enough plumbers. So stuff like <laughs> it's funny, but stuff like that, man, that's, that's just, that's how you start good careers. It's you, you got to do something. Everybody needs college. Nobody needs anymore. Unless like you said, it's absolutely specified. You have a job in mind. I just don't, just don't put yourself in debt. It sucks. Yeah. I think that's the key there. Don't put yourself in that's debt him. unless you see the path forward. Cause again, it does, it doesn't guarantee the job, but I know with music, like you said, you brought up the point that um, do the stuff that's in demand. So maybe that's where you have to start as a producer. How do you get yourself known out there? And if you put the mindset that, you know, I just want to make great music and people, people, you know, will buy my beats off me or whatever, start with a, a trade, you know, that if it's going to, if you need money now, Start putting services out there. Do your like, hey, I'll, I'll help with your drum editing or drum producing. I'll, I'll produce your drum line for you and collaborate that way. Right. There's ways to make money off of your little tiny skills to until you could get to where you are able to do what you want to do. Like my, like most bands, you know, where they come out with a cool couple albums and then they're like, nah, man, that's not us. <laughs> yeah, like Papa Roach has completely reinvented themselves. I haven't listened to them since the Cut Your Life song. They've been, uh, they've been putting out some new stuff. I heard it was good. Yeah, it's actually, it's not bad. A little bit more hybridized, a lot more electronic production. But really? Oh, that'd be kind yeah. of interesting. I mean, it, they still keep like the rock, the rock essence alive. Rock. <laughs> not a lot of rock stuff really going down anymore. Besides kind of these old guys coming up again. Yeah, like corn, corn put out something new. Finally. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's never really been the same since like the nineties for me. For corn, but you know, okay, I know everybody hates Limp Biscuit, but that new album I actually think is pretty good. Wait, they put a new album? Yeah, and it's not bad. This isn't Gold Cobra from like no, no, no. Ago, it's it? it's brand new. Okay. It's it's actually pretty good. I I was a little surprised. It's got the same production values or old albums, and Fred Durst is still Fred Durst. The <laughs> music is heavy. The drums sound nice and crisp. So I'm a drum. Um, yeah, I'm a very drum dude. Lovato. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you just check it out. Uh, I'm promoting them. I hope I get promotion. <laughs> Limp Bizkit pass, free pass. <laughs> right. This is not an endorsement. We're not sponsored by, <laughs> by Limp Bizkit. But I wish, I wish we were, because that'd be sweet. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me, sir. It's always a fun round of laughs with you here. Yeah. And I'll see you next time on Dragon time. Ball Z. <laughs> Wait, we're not done powering up. Oh, ah! <laughs> I can't do my my voice is still poopy from uh, doing my impression. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my Tom Waits impression. <laughs> Would you still be my friend if I always spoke like this? Yeah, but it'd be hard to listen to you. Yeah, well, call me Snake. I want to be Snake now. Alrighty, well there you have it, folks. You know we covered a lot. In this t- in this episode, I hope you found at least a few of these things useful to you. Obviously, there was everything from collaboration, you know, paid and free advice for collaborating, file pass, um, you know, you can do anything like Dropbox, you know, OneDrive, you name it. However, you want to get your your stuff to the other people that you're working with. 
take your pick because there are so many options out there, both free and paid. I love WeTransfer, by the way. Um, that's great. If you need to send stuff that's less than two gigabytes, it's completely free, which is great. Um, and to recap, there are other things like MISC tools. So for me in mastering analog X, I'll have the links to all these down in the show notes below, by the way, uh, under composing and music creation, just to recap, there were hacks from John Meyer, eight reasons to learn new, a new instrument. Um, but also just covering things like templates and, you know, having project templates or, I think for me also, it comes down to having a post-project completion process, meaning like after I've completed the project, I like to organize, deconstruct everything, save out template, you know, important templates or presets or things like that, save out the MIDI. I want to make sure I have everything available from that project archivable and ready to reuse at a moment's notice if I find that it helps me accelerate my workflow in the next project. So it can come down to mixing templates, also learning tools like your um, your hotkeys in general, but also hotkey management. Um, so being able to macro and, and basically batch, which <laughs> leads us to slate batch command system, which is awesome for uh, Logic or Pro Tools. We also got into some mindset hacks. So just to kind of reiterate those, there's the poker players out there. You know, the moment you're counting your money, it's the moment you lose because you're not paying attention to the room. Um, And then, of course, Daniel James was a big one. You know, he would rather focus on learning how to perform in just one key. If he could play the piano, just learning how to play every mode, scale, every which way in just the key of D allows him to work so much more proficiently in sketching out ideas very quickly and having very detailed and articulate ways of expressing the emotion he's trying to convey. So there you have it, folks. Thanks so much for sticking around to the other podcast. Just to reiterate, we're eight episodes away from 30 now, and I still have the episode 10 contest going on. For those of you who don't know, if you email podcast at modernproducersecrets.com with the subject line episode 10 contest and leave a review of the podcast you'll be entered into a mastering project giveaway be honest share your likes what we could do better and what you'd like us to cover more of or who you'd like us to interview we'd want to hear from you the giveaway winner will be announced on episode 30 finally this podcast is brought to you by the music producers alliance an online community and professional development platform that provides learning resources, networking opportunities, and mentoring to professional music creators. You can join our Discord server to participate in the Mastermind community. Visit musicproducersalliance.com or find the link in the show notes to get started.